Athletic. Reds, Tony Evans here at Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Liverpool fed to the Wolves as Klopp loses his cool. We'll analyse the latest rueful Reds away day and ask, when does the uncertainty end? Joining me to do that, we've got James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Let's start with those three words. On the game, the situation, the malaise. Kiefer, we'll start with you. Short and sweet, I don't know is what come to me head. So, yeah, I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, I'm going to have to say it properly because then it'll be three words. So I don't know. (laughs) Andy? Can I resign? Uh, Because as we all know at this point, uh, since I started or joined the Liverpool team on the Athletic, uh, which was after Community Shield, it's all gone wrong. So unlike Klopp, who thinks James is uh, the root of all the problems, (laughs) uh, I think it's actually me. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And James? Full-blown crisis. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Again, I say make it end, make it end. But there's a selection of thoughts from the Walk on Facebook group. Richard Green says, could be worse. Well, I suppose it could be, Rich, Richard, but I mean, really? Kevin Drasley? Worse every week? Well, yeah, that's more like it. Tom Williams finds a new lows, and Tom Jones struggling to watch. To get involved, search Walk On Podcast on Facebook and join the group from there. That has been a theme throughout the season, starting so slowly. It, do you, it, I know you said you can't explain it, but is it, is it a men, do you think it is a mentality thing? Is it, does it make you look at how you prepare for games, the fact that... They can then start again so slowly when you've had a whole week on the training field. It's very difficult to talk to you, but if I'm 100% honest, I would prefer not to do that. You know why? For all the things you wrote, so if somebody else wants to ask that question, then I answer it. Yeah, and if not, you ask it. And then I, can you say it again, please? Uh, yeah, just well, James, obviously you were the centre of the storm on Saturday night. And... Is the pressure beginning to tell on Jurgen Klopp? Is that one of the, is that one of the symptoms of it? Where happens? Well, I think like probably every Liverpool supporter all around the world, he's he's hurting at the moment, isn't he? Because I think the problems keep on stacking up for him, and at the minute he, he can't come up with the answers. So um, yeah, that that's the thing that that kind of struck me about it more than anything. I think you always have to take into account that. When managers do media, it's you know straight after a game, emotions are running high. Yeah, he didn't want to answer my question on why he thought they, you know, this this been such a theme of the season, starting games so slowly, and even more baffling when you, for me, when you've got a whole week to prepare how a team can come out so insipidly and so passively. And so soft more than anything. You know, I've since been told that it wasn't... I assumed, obviously, he'd, he'd, he'd taken offence to something I'd written, but I've been told since it wasn't anything I'd written, it was something that he'd read elsewhere. But yeah, just uh, <laughs> definitely have better weekends all around. It's, um, yeah, never pleasant when you, your, your kids tell you that they're getting messages off their schoolmates asking if their dad's going to be sacked. That's really not OK. That's horrible. It's, no. Uh, no. It's, no. And, um, yeah, it's. I, I think... The, the other thing to say on that is I'm actually off on holiday on Wednesday. So I just, I, I know 
when I'm not at the next, next press conference and I'm not at the, the Merseyside derby against Everton, the social media will obviously assume that I've been banished and banned. And uh, But no, I can, I can assure people that it's a long since booked booked holiday to the States. So that's, that's why I won't be around for the, the next uh, couple of podcasts and, and, and miss the one game. A well-deserved holiday as well, James. Well, no, no, hang on. First of all, they give you holidays as well. <laughs> he deserves oh, it after and, that. And, 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 and while the derby's on, scandalous, scandalous. No, have a, have a good break, mate. That, you, know, you, you do deserve it. But, Kiva, it's all the frustrations are coming out, aren't they? You know? I, and I think that's one of the one things that people don't realise, you know, the, the average man in the streets about the job, is that you do have to face the people you criticise, and James didn't in this case. But sometimes, the, the, you know, they can lash out, and again, in the, the, the wrong way this time, but generally, it's a result of things are not going right in their world rather than what you've done. Yeah, I feel really sorry for James because, like, being at the centre of that, I was thinking, like, I don't even know. Like, he's handled it so professionally. I just don't know how I would, like, cope with the sort of spotlight. Obviously, that's whole, it's gone viral now. James said, like, his kids are asking him those questions. Like, yeah, like, props to you, James, for just handling it like a, like a boss, as you always do. Thanks. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, like James mentioned, their emotions are running high. We've, like, seen things from, you know, managers before like this. Liverpool are now that defeat sort of confirmed the crisis that they're in. You know, it feels almost like it was worse than the, you know, the defensive crisis, which we speak about a lot during the, obviously when Van Dijk got injured and then everything else. Now it's different. It just feels like we mentioned, you know, they're in the transition before the transition. It shouldn't be going this badly. It really is. It's hard to sort of pluck positives from this, you know, at the minute. And I think, you know, you'd imagine it will improve on the pitch, but it just feels quite a, just, yeah, it doesn't feel very nice right now. Yeah, well, that well, that's the thing. I mean, the defensive crisis is one thing, but this is like an equal opportunities crisis because the, the attacks in crisis, the midfields in crisis, the defence. There's probably only Alisson who can get away with it, really. And then we've got the backroom staff and we've got the recruitment, you know. And Klopp's getting to defensive over criticisms of his staff, Andy. It, it, it's all, it's really ugly, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can you can understand them in getting sort of defensive over over that because Liverpool built a backroom team that has been has brought so much success and and what has been going on behind the scenes has you know for for years been praised and has clearly worked and you know as you, as you see last season and you know the seasons before that when Liverpool have gone on and won everything that they can win but you know there has been a lot of turnover that hasn't which we've discussed and there is ongoing turnover and that that can unsettle everything and. You know, you look at Liverpool's medical department, which has just been in flux for for so long at this point. Really, we're waiting for for so long for Liverpool to sort of fix that and and try and sort it out. But yeah, it, it just all, it just all boils to that point, doesn't it? Like sort of like like has been said, it when when you've had a system that's worked so seamlessly or appeared to work so seamlessly, then suddenly the wheels have not just fallen off but have disappeared completely. You know, you are going to try and leap to the defence of people who come under criticism because suddenly it's not just, you know, a couple of things going wrong every now and again. It's every single week and then therefore you are finding different people to blame, I guess. And the mad thing is, because it's football, most of it goes away if they win three games in a row. But in the first 20 minutes, they look as if they'll never win three games in a row again, James. Have you ever seen an ugliest 20 minutes? Oh, do you know what? I was racking my brains trying to think of it. I mean, I thought... I thought, as I wrote on the Athletic today, I thought I thought we'd hit the Nadir 
at Brighton three weeks earlier, but this was on a whole whole different level. It was 2-0 after, what, 12 minutes? It could easily have been 3 or 4 after 20. It just utterly bizarre. And, that, and that's why, you know, as much as there's so many factors at play in the plight that Liverpool currently find themselves in, and, you know, we've gone through them so many times, they just roll off the tongue, don't they, in terms of the 63 games that the mental and physical impact of last season, the injuries, the recruitment, the uncertainty with the ownership, uncertainty off the pitch with the sporting director leaving, the head of director of research leaving. All of that is a course of factors, but none of that excuses that opening 20 minutes. And and even things like, you know, like you, you think to yourself, well, you know, is whatever is being said in the dressing room to them isn't getting through, but that on Saturday was just about personal, professional pride. Like, no one, you can't tell me that, that players at that level really need to be told, could, just can you make sure you're focused and switched on from the first minute? And can you can you just have a look around you and track runners and, and communicate with the player next to you? I mean, both centre-backs for me were, were massively culpable, Gomez and Matip. And, and yeah, of course, neither of them were first choice. And I think, bizarrely, that was only the fifth game in all competitions they'd ever started together. And I don't think that's a coincidence in terms of how little football they've played together. Because I don't think, probably a polite way of putting it would be both of them prefer someone more vocal and more of a leader alongside them. And, and that, for me, was glaringly obvious because, you know, you only have to look for the first goal. Hwang is in so much space initially. No one tracks his run. And then, yeah, of course, there's an element, well, a big element of misfortune with Matip turning it into his own net. But if he hadn't been so hesitant, he wouldn't have been in that position anyway. He'd have been much closer to the ball. Oh, yeah. And it had, had blocked the cross. So that, that is, for, for me, you know, just ridiculous. And then the second one, you know, a set piece... Where again, it, you know, the ball in, I think it was Robertson who loses the initial battle at the near post. Then, no, I think it was Kunhal that when, you know, again, no pressure on the ball, able to cross it. Gomez's horrendous header, and then Dawson scores. Again, Liverpool stand like statues. Matez Cunha. Hesitancy at the back. Kilman's header is blocked. And Dawson marks his debut with Wolves, second of the game. And Liverpool are 2 0 down inside 12 minutes. One of the reasons for me, probably why Klopp was so upset and so angry afterwards, was that if you take that opening 20 minutes out of it, which obviously you can't, after that, they actually played pretty well. It wasn't like a complete capitulation or a team that's like completely inept in all... Like, they actually, like, they, they were camped in Wolves half for the first 20, 25 minutes of the second half. But they're just so blunt at one end and then so vulnerable at the other. First time Wolves break away in the second half, they score. And you know they're there for you is like basically the epitome of where Liverpool are at the minute. They, they huff and puff and lack inspiration in the final third. Yet at the other end, they're an absolute soft touch. Kiva, well, I mean, you know, you can't beat that summation of it. You know, it's, you've nailed it, James. I mean, I watched the highlights just before this podcast because I've obviously avoided it this weekend. I thought I'm going to protect my mood and not watch it. And I was saying before we we started recording that, you know, it was kind of exactly how I dreamed it would be. You know, obviously it's not a dream in that sense, but I just pictured it in that way. And you a know, nightmare, a nightmare. Basically, yeah. You know, when you hear people talk about the the own goal. You know, I, I sort of checked the score on 20 minutes and it didn't shock me. You know, 2-0 down, Liverpool 2-0 down at Wolves. I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I can kind of picture how it would have went. And that's like not okay for us to just be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That first goal, watching that, was just like exactly how I imagined it sort of would be. And, you know, Alisson punching the floor and, 
you know, the camera sort of cuts to the players, Alexander Arnold, others just looking like, oh no, here we go again. Like this is sort of, ha- you know, this sort of rut that they fell into of conceding goals, early goals, first half goals, conceding first is, you know, making them then after, you know, play in a different way. And I feel like they're not capable of, you know, winning games when they concede first anymore, where you used to have this real, like, you know, positive energy around them and a confidence that, oh, this will just even, you know, this is like poking the the beast almost. Like you, you'll wake up the giant and, you know, Liverpool will come flying at you and, and score three goals and win the game comfortably. Even after a 2-0, you know, going down 2-0, you, you always suspect that Liverpool will, you know, come back, win the game 3-2. But this Liverpool team now, when you look at a scoreline like 2-0, 20 minutes gone at Wolves, you can't see, you know, checking your phone again after the final whistle and it being 3-2, you check and it's 3-0 Wolves and you don't really question it because this is how Liverpool are playing at the minute. I think that's a really good point because the opposition used to, get in, in front, but you could see the nervousness. They knew they were going to, they, they, you know, they're going to have to withstand a storm and they probably wouldn't survive it. Now that, that aura has gone. And when the aura goes, it's hard to recapture it. And you see teams who are thinking, ah, oh, you know, Wolves are 2-0. That's the only thing I'd slightly disagree with you about, James, is that, you know, at 2-0, Liverpool were camped out in the earth and he created some chances, but there was never a sense that it was going to turn, it was going to change. Wolves were, if not, they weren't quite comfortable, but they were comfortable enough. And then, Andy, Klopp spoke about body language last week. You look at his body language on the sidelines, like, yeah, you can look in the mirror, there. Look in the mirror. Yeah, but equally you can understand his frustrations because... Well, he can sort of, you know, he can, as, as James mentioned, they had a week to prepare. He can say everything he wants. He can say anything he wants. But then when, when Joe Gomez trots back into, you know, attempting to get back into position and Joel Matter lets the ball bounce in, in his own box, they're like uncoachable things in a way. It's like you cannot, no matter how many times you tell a, a player to do that, if they still do it, if, you know, you can't affect it at that point. And that is down to the players. And it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because he's, He's clearly getting more and more frustrated because his instructions and his, you know, the game plan isn't isn't being carried out by the players. It's not helped by, you know, the game completely changing in terms of the way, you know, it's going to play out with conceding early goals. And that's probably the main frustration he's got is you can work on a game plan for so long, but if you concede in five minutes, generally it, it goes out the window. Um, but yeah, you don't want him to just stand there and look really sad. But equally, how can you channel your your own sort of, mannerisms on the touchline into positivity, you know, to try and G your players up a little bit because what is, is obvious about Liverpool is when, when they face a setback and we talked about this after sort of, uh, I think James mentioned after the, the Brighton chance in, in the 2-1 when it sort of shook Liverpool and it is, it's, I think that there is an element of Liverpool keep conceding these weird goals. You know, not all of them by any means. That deflection off Matip and how it finds the corner and you're like, really, come on. Can you not just go anywhere else and just give us a bit of a break? There is an element to that. I, funnily you, enough, that's why I was thinking about Matip at the time. I thought, can you not go anywhere else? Back to Germany. I don't know, anywhere, anywhere. Just don't let it bounce. Don't let it bounce. Anyway, you're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. The best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this, was boom. Tony Evans here with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. Well, one step forward, two steps back. They conceded three in each of the last three away Premier League defeats, three 
in each of the last three games. James, that's too many. I know, I know that's obvious, <laughs> but it's too many. It's not happened since 1993, that, to a Liverpool team. It, it, it just shows where they're at. And, they're, like, and you know, let, let's not forget the context as well. It's not like Liverpool have just been to the Etihad, the Emirates and Old Trafford. Liverpool have shipped nine in three away games against Brentford, Brighton and Wolves. And, and it's, you know, what is it? One point out of 12 since the turn of the year. Nine conceded, one scored. I mean, I talk about Gallo's humour. That Something that did bring a smile to my face was that seeing that the Liverpool's top scorer in the Premier League since the World Cup is absolute, is actually root face of Leicester City with his two comedy own goals because it's, um, you know, the night, that night we had a good laugh at his expense really does feel like a, a long, long time ago now. You know, now it's Liverpool, the, the butt of the jokes and, you know, rival fans having a, having a field day. So the thing is as well, like, as the, the midfield has obviously quite rightly been the subject of so much conjecture and debate this season. But I don't think you could blame the, the, the three in there on, on the weekend. I thought Stefan Bassetic again, I, I felt so sorry for him because you know, he, he gave absolutely everything again. It shouldn't get lost amidst all the negativity, what he's doing at the moment. And it, and it makes it all the more impressive for me that he's surrounded by so much mediocrity. I mean, there wasn't much to lift the spirits on Saturday, but the tackle he put in on and Traore briefly did. There's been times this season where I felt sorry for the back four in terms of the lack of protection. But I don't even, I don't even think you, you couldn't say that about Saturday. That was just basic lack of organisation, lack of cohesion, lack of communication between the back four. Yeah, and, and even you know the counter attack goal for the third. You know, again challenges lost, runners not tracked. It's just all so painfully familiar. Feels like a lack of leadership, doesn't it? And a lack of, like, I think you sort of spoke about this before, James, but pressure on the ball, like, in any part of the pitch. Even when they've got the ball sometimes, they don't attack in the same way that they have been. They're, like, almost scared to attack. You see, you know, the couple of chances Nunes had, and maybe for one of them he could play a pass to Salah. He just seems to hit everything sort of at the goalkeeper or within, you know, the goalkeeper's reach. I think, you know, you, you're watching that lack of pressure and intensity and, you know, bringing it back to body language is just one of many problems Liverpool have at the minute. But, you know, I went through the the Brighton game, the FA Cup. You could go through this game as well and how many other games this season to pick out moments where, you know, Liverpool's body language is poor um, compared to, you know, the, the mentality monsters we, we used to see on the pitch. And I think, you know, little moments, I was chatting to Gaia Jordet, who's like, a football sort of sports psychologist and football body language expert. And I think you'll see his his threads on penalties a lot on Twitter and, you know, the body language around football and how important it is. And, you know, we were just chatting and picking through different bits. And you mentioned Klopp and, you know, the couple of bits in there from his reaction. I think if you sometimes as a, I think he called it a lethargic reaction can actually be worse than, you know, being actively frustrated because, being actively frustrated can make your players, you know, lift a little bit. You know, there's, I think, all over the pitch, there was Harvey Elliott's goal when, obviously, he scored. Thiago tries to, like, bring the group together to celebrate, but they quickly sort of disband for, like, a, a moment to, like, really sort of, you know, tap into that positivity and be like, let's do this again. You know, let's sort of hold on to this feeling. But, you know, they quickly dispersed, and I feel like that's, you know, almost fitting that even when positive things do happen, 
this Liverpool team at the minute are unable to really like grapple hold of that positivity and move it forward. And you know how important Liverpool have been in you know watching Andy Robertson just clatter into someone in the opening minutes of a game or something like that. Like those moments do really set the tone for the whole game. And you know Liverpool are setting the tone by conceding you know calamitous goals or just you know conceding early. And I think that's having an adverse effect on the performances. There are other factors in, but ultimately that's going to be laid at the manager's door. That lack of confidence, that lack of the lack of vibrancy. And so is this time to put Klopp under scrutiny, Andy? Well, you've got to ask questions of, of sort of what, you know, what, what the plan is, what, you know, what is he doing and, and why can't he figure out how to turn this round? Um, I think there's a difference between scrutiny and sort of talking about his job, for example, he doesn't get a free pass from criticism, if you like, because he is, at the end of the day, you know, setting Liverpool out in, in certain systems and tactics with, with game plans. And I know his players are, are letting them down, but also, you know, a lot of the issues that Liverpool are having have been sort of season long. And it's sort of the, the manager and the coaching staff's job to solve these problems at some point during the season. But the fact is that Liverpool continue to concede first in games, for example. And therefore, that, that, sort of, that does come down to, you know, come back to Klopp and, and what sort of what the coaching staff are doing and what the plan is, you know, in terms of every single game. And then and he's the he's the one who has to fix it. And while he believes in himself, and while and you know plenty plenty of Liverpool fans do, and you know you, you come back to that sort of that Dortmund quote of when Klopp left, and we should have got rid of all the players instead of Klopp. And it's certainly not you know time to talk about you know getting rid of him or anything like that because I think if anyone can turn it around, he can. But it's time to. <laughs> finally start sort of seeing this progress that Liverpool need to be making to, to sort of go in the, in the right direction at least and not keep getting worse. Kenny Dalglish once said to me, he said, any manager's only eight games away from the sack. He said, any manager, which funnily enough, I don't think this is true in Klopp's case because of the way Fenway Sports Group are enthralled to him and also because of the with the club up for sale, they regard him as one of the great assets. But James, what does he do to fix things? And I know you don't want to take that question, but I'm going to insist you do. <laughs> well, in the short term, it, his options are pretty limited, aren't they? I think the one thing that he'll be clinging to at the minute is is getting players back fit. Diogo Jota back in full training this week, and you know, having missed so long, I think it would be really unfair to suddenly put all your eggs in a Diogo Jota basket and expect him to to sort out this this mess. But he that will help. I think Liverpool undoubtedly again, it's just one small piece of the jigsaw, but they've missed his energy and, and tenacity at the top end of the pitch. Virgil van Dijk should be back in training as well later on in the week. You know, and don't Liverpool need some leadership in that back line at the moment? And then, obviously, a little bit further down the line, you've got you've got Firmino, you've got Canate and, and Diaz. So, I, I think, I mean, tactically, I think it's I'm not really too sure what he can do. I mean, he's already, you know, taken quite a drastic step in terms of axing his captain, you know, and Fabino, you know, two thirds of the midfield that nearly won everything for Liverpool last season. Kiva touched upon earlier, you know, the, the leadership. And I think that doesn't help matters, does it, when your captain is not even getting picked? I mean, I, I can't think of the last time that Jordan Henderson got left out of four successive Liverpool games. But I, I think for all the talk of Klopp, and yes, he's got um, comfortable questions to answer and fingers pointed at the owners and all the rest of it. I don't think we should get away from the fact that this is underachievement on a on a huge scale. And that I, I think there's too many players in that dressing room at the moment feeling sorry for themselves, 
and, and they need to take some responsibility themselves because just take a step back and look at these results. Look, you know, to get stuffed at Wolves, to get stuffed at Brentford and Brighton, that is completely and utterly unacceptable. And none of those mitigating circumstances we talked about before explain, you know, the fact that so many players are, are just way, way off it at the minute. I mean, I think you said it earlier, Tony, you know, apart from Alisson, I think you're probably right, apart from Alisson, who can literally put their hand up at the moment and say, do you know what? Yeah, I'm doing my job to somewhere near the best of my abilities. You know, I don't think anyone else can. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the... The slow starts tell you everything. I mean, remember the days when they used to come roaring out and terrify Manchester City and things like that? But, I mean, they've conceded more Premier League goals in the opening five minutes of matches than any other side this season. And that's five of them. It, 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 then it's a battle to get back into games and they seem to have lost, that, as Kiva said, that, that, that sense of self-belief. And trailing at half-time in eight of the 20 Premier League games... You know, Andy, uh, do you think do you think it might be as simple as sure trying to shore things up and get through the first twenty minutes without conceding and go on from yeah. there? Well, I think that that's sort of been that's what they sort of shifted to, didn't he? Sort of to the Wolves and the Chelsea game and, and even Brighton. There was you felt like Liverpool were actively trying to stay in a game and sort of just ease the way in and find the way into it. And sort of just not concede a big chance because that's one of the big things, isn't it? It, it feels like every game Liverpool have played in, the opposition have managed to create a, a big chance from one of the first times they've sort of gone forward in, in any game. But then you see against Wolves and, you know, you couldn't have looked less sort of, uh, stable and compact and, and, and all those types of, types of words with, with that first goal because it, it is so open and so hesitant and, that that would would be the plan, yeah, to try and just eat. I think you have to, unless unless you do want to go toe to toe and make it mad. But the problem is, is that you're more likely to concede. But are Liverpool more likely to concede the first goal in games than they are anyway? Um, at this point, probably not because they just they just seem to do it anyway. So it, it is you can go two ways with it, can't you? You can either make it a basketball game and just say you attack, we attack, and see what happens, or you take an active approach to try and sit off and try and be really compact and, and see see where you are after 20 and then try and come out a little bit more. Um as James mentioned, Liverpool played pretty well by the sounds of it after after the you know after going 2-0 down and that first 20. But it's easy to play well when an, an opposition is sitting off because they've got a two-goal lead and they're pretty happy to let you have the ball and and just sort of manage the game. So it is it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because what you what Liverpool don't want to do, I guess, is if you turn it into a basketball game and you, you still keep conceding goals, then you're just not helping anything, are you? With, with those strikers, the way they've performed at the moment. It's, uh, and, well, they need and, as know, many chances as they can get, can't they? I mean, you know, they, 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 one of the cliches of football, which is one of the daftest cliches, is 2 nils a dangerous lead. But frankly, I felt that Wolves could have declared a 2 nil. And, you know, and then worried about it later. Anyway, this is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic, with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. In towards Gerrard! Oh. Hello! Hello! Here we go! This is Tony Evans, with Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic, with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well... 
James, I have had communications from various people over the weekend which tell me that there is no sign of a buyer for the club. And Matt Slater, writing in his Monday column for The Athletic, says, no firm bids, not much buzz around the same process. I mean, I'm talking to the same people. Have you got any other people who are telling you anything that we might find remotely exciting? <laughs> no, no, um... No, I'm not aware of anything having changed from, what was it, probably three weeks ago now, where Twitter was awash with people telling us all that Qatar had bought Liverpool and it was a done deal and the torrent of abuse that followed uh, telling people they didn't want to know that that, uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't the case. And yeah, Matt Slater is obviously very well connected. Uh, in the especially in the business side of football and yeah it's that tallies I think with what I was told a few weeks back that it was it was looking more likely that it would be a minority share they'd look to sell rather than a full takeover and that they hadn't had the offers that they were expecting yet and and that all contributes to this general feeling of uncertainty and turbulence isn't it that you know you know what we know in terms of in terms of the longer term fix, which obviously is a rebuild that, you know, I, I think Klopp has, has got more than enough credit in the bank that whatever happens between now and the end of the season, he deserves the right to kind of oversee that rebuild. But, you know, who's, who's picking up the tab? That's the thing for me at the moment, you know, and, and who's doing the deals? We don't know. There's, there's nothing in place in terms of who's going to succeed Julian Ward as sporting director come the end of the season. And if FSG are going to sell a portion of the club and if that's going to free up funds to, to pay for the kind of surgery that's needed on the squad, then, you know, that needs to happen in the next few months. Because if it doesn't, if we're still in this kind of impasse in May, June, then you know, that is a major source of worry because you know I think FSG's reign tells you with the self-sustaining business model that there won't be the kind of money needed to do what needs to be done unless they change that model, especially if you take 100 million quid's worth of Champions League money, which is what the competition was worth to Liverpool last season, if you take that out of the, the projections for next season. So yeah, I think in, in terms of getting the ship you know, back on course in the longer term, it's crucial that something... There's some positive news on the search for new investment soon. Yeah, well, the only uh, new investment bid I believe they've had is a. I emailed John Emery and offered him three quid for <laughs> a, a minority percentage. Um, he hasn't got back to me yet. He hasn't got back <laughs> to me. But Kiva, that's it is a concern, isn't it? That Julian Ward leaving. You know, you, we saw Michael Edwards leaving the summer. Julian Ward's leaving. Ian Graham's out of there. There's the the feeling that you know. There's a massive change going on and a whole shift in the way the club do things. And it doesn't feel like at the moment it's for the better. There's just so much uncertainty, isn't there? And like James mentions there, you know, recruitment's going to be absolutely fundamental to turning things around at Liverpool and, you know, to keep them among, you know, England's elite and obviously Europe's elite as well. It feels like at the moment that's, you know, not going to happen in the future as if, you know, Liverpool are going to, they're just sort of like now falling away and this is the moment where you really have to act. And obviously we've just seen a transfer window kind of come and go and obviously Cody Gakpo signs, but still, you know, a lot of work for Liverpool to do in the summer. But then the people that need to do this work also are leaving the club and, you know, will be getting replaced. And that's like, you know, kind of not what you want. You'd kind of right now want someone that has been in the job for years and being like, right, we know what we're doing. This is what we'll do. We'll do this, this and this. We'll have these plans in place. But you're going to get all new people in those roles, you know, that have been key to Liverpool. Data has been massive in even, you know, bringing Jürgen Klopp to the club and that kind of thing. Data has been incredible for Liverpool 
for such a long time and you know the the change in um people doing that job and other jobs I think won't help Liverpool's sort of momentum of years of knowledge and experience and knowing each other you know it might be the people step up that are already at the club which might help you know in terms of a transition of communication but new people you know it's how it's all going to work you know behind the scenes because we're looking at it you know as the team needs a lot of work and the people that need to do this work are you know coming and going and we don't quite know what sort of going to happen I think that's probably the most concerning thing with the club you know kind of up for sale as well as you know just an added uncertainty isn't it yeah and talking of uncertainty the next game up's the derby next Monday night and it's Sean Dyche and not only that it's been probably Saturday was probably the best day in Everton history since, I don't know, 1995. You know, they won. <laughs> and then Liverpool got beat. What more could an Evertonian want? Well, which, which do you think they enjoyed more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but you know, um, Andy, I'm going to come to you because Daesh, you know, you, you yeah. know quite a bit about him. You've been around Burnley. And are Liverpool going to get Daesh on Monday? I think, unfortunately, there's a good chance that they do. Because and I watched that Arsenal game and sort of well, it, well it was sort of just ongoing um, and just looking at the highlights and it was just pure dice, wasn't it? It was proper proper Burnley if you like, but also I think the the biggest concern for me is that he knows how to fire up a team and he knows how to get make a team physical and aggressive and try and be try and be front foot, you know, in, in a Burnley style of way in that. You know, you're looking to go long, you're looking to be effective and efficient in possession, if you like, and second balls. And and then you look at Liverpool at the moment and you think, what are Liverpool not? And they're not aggressive and they're not physical and they're sort of just passive and teams are able to bully them. And I just think it's it, it feels on paper at the moment like it could be a recipe for disaster. And, and Dice will, will just use that that result against Arsenal just to, to lift his players even more. It's like, there you go, there's your level. Go and run because I think the the running levels were off, you know, off the scale compared to what they've been doing this season. And he's basically just going to tell them to do that again. And it's whether Liverpool can put up a fight. Basically, it's it's whether they can get themselves up. And if there's any game to get yourself up for, it's a derby, you know. And and the crowd are going to have to be a big a big part of it. You would think it's going to be, and well, you would expect it's not going to be a very nice game to watch. You know, no one ever comes up with any original ideas these days and anything to the, you know, the movies are getting remade. We've got Dogs of War 2 going on at Goodison. You know, I mean, it's just a, more, a perfect moment for Klopp to ramp up the team, James, to get them going and, and, and you know, getting them in that battle of moods. And where are you going to watch it? Oh, are you going to watch it over here or are you going to be in the States? <laughs> I'll, I'll be watching it from uh, Miami. Hopefully sat on a nice sofa rather than watching from behind it. Yeah, do you know what? I just It's funny because coming away from Molyneux on Saturday night, I was thinking it's the worst possible game. I was thinking, you know, like especially with Everton having had that lift. Obviously Everton having won at Anfield in front of supporters this century. Suddenly, suddenly that looks vulnerable. And then you look at the fixtures and suddenly everything, when when there's so much wrong, everything looks laced with danger, doesn't it? Then you go trip to Newcastle. Real Madrid, Palace away, Man United at home. But you know, but you know what? You know what football is like. It, it, 
it always brings you back for more, doesn't it? So probably since Saturday night, I've probably started to come around to the idea that maybe Everton at home is the is the perfect game. Because you think, if you, as you said, if you, if you can't get yourself up for that, then we are literally all wasting our time. And I think I think there'll be a real outpouring of support for Klopp at Anfield yeah, on Monday night. I think, I've, I think, and, and and rightly so. Like forget anything that happened on Saturday because you know he, he's given you know even me personally some of the best personal and professional nights in my life and and it's not nice seeing him where he's at at the moment so I think Anfield will collectively want to show him that they're all behind him and they expect a reaction from that group of players and there, there can be no excuses can there you know we talk about preparation time again and it's like you know it, it's nine days between games you know there is there is no excuse Kiva I like your theory that the best thing that happens ahead of the derby was for Everton to win yeah, well, sometimes you think you know a team winning. It's kind of like, all right, they already know the, you know, they've got that win under the belt, and you know maybe that I don't know. I just felt like it could be a a good thing. You know, come Monday night, I might be feeling the exact opposite of that. <laughs> um, but I feel like the atmosphere will be great. I know the spine cop have organised like a bring your flag day and that kind of thing. So I think you know the atmosphere is always good for the derby. It's always nervous. It's always you know. Yeah, everyone's excited for it. It's the one game you, you look for, isn't it? When the, the fixtures are announced um in the summer. And obviously I just I think, you know, the fans will get behind this team and we'll get behind Jurgen Klopp because like James says, we've had some of the best days of our lives in the past few years. So this sort of malaise now that they're in, it's kinda like, you know, you have to pinch yourself a little bit for what we've seen and where we've been as, you know, reporters, as people and, you know, I think that Liverpool fans will be right behind the team. And it does feel kind of like the perfect fixture because obviously all the weekend's games will have happened and then everyone's focused on Monday night football. Liverpool have a massive sort of Champions League game on the horizon in a midweek. So you feel like, you know, if they can sort of bring that kind of European energy, because we don't know how long they'll be playing European football for. So they've got to, you know... They've got to put in that performance to, I guess, win the fans back over too, you know, on the pitch. Because like you said, I think Klopp fans are fully behind Klopp and I think it's the players that the the question and at the minute in terms of performances just aren't good enough. I mean, and the massive caveat to that is most of them, you know, ran the legs off in 63 games last season to nearly win it all. Well, I think it couldn't be set up better for the turning point, for the moment when everything gets back on track, a derby, at Anfield on a Monday night, uh, you know all the excitement, all the build up, you know, and Everton get got a bit of life about them. It's going to be brilliant. And the thing is, no matter how badly you do on one Saturday, then there's always the next game. And let's face it, with Liverpool, it's always a roller coaster. So that's all for today from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. Thanks to James Kiever and Andy. And you, the listeners. And remember, you can get involved via our new Walk On podcast group on Facebook. Just search Walk On Podcast to get involved. And we'll be back on Thursday with a, a longer look at the Derby. Let's face it, we all love Derbies, don't we? Unless we get beat. The Athletic. <laughs>